Welcome to History Books and Wine, where three author friends talk about books and fun historical tidbits, all while raising a glass of vino. We're your hosts, Lori and Bailey, Eliza Knight, and Madeline Martin. So, pour a glass and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 16 of the History Books and Wine podcast. I'm your host this week, Lori Ann Bailey. I'm a National Reader's Choice and Holt Medallion award-winning author who writes Scottish historicals with hot Highland heroes and spunky independent lasses finding their perfect matches in the Scottish Highlands. If you've tuned in for the last two weeks, You've heard Eliza Knight discuss the origins of various alcoholic spirits and Madeline Martin give us a brief history of beer. Next week, you'll get all three of us for our monthly happy hour as we dive into our favorite libation, wine. But today, you get me, and I'm ready to dive in and tell you everything I know about whiskey. First, I have to tell you what I'm going to be drinking. And I almost poured it a few minutes ago, but once I opened the bottle, I stopped and I'm like, no, I have to let everybody hear this because it makes a really great sound. I'm gonna do it now. I'm going to have a very small dram of scotch because I'm going to follow it up with a small dram of bourbon. And I'll get into the differences in those in just a few minutes. My scotch today is the Glenlivet Single Malt Scotch Whiskey that's been aged for 12 years. I was first introduced to this scotch by a friend of mine, and it's the one that has stuck with me since then. In 1824, George Smith established his distillery in the remote and wild location of Glenlivet. Here, he found the perfect conditions to craft the definitive single malt whiskey. Through this timeless, primeval valley run the icy waters of the River Livet. Its name, Smooth Flowing One, in Gaelic, reflects the Glenlivet's beautifully rich and elegant flavors. And I didn't think I could do a show on whiskey and not try a bourbon. So I stopped by the spirit store, as Eliza would call it, to pick up a small bottle of the American version of whiskey. The bottle I picked up happens to be Jim Beam, a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, which says it is not genuine if it doesn't have James B. Beam's signature on the bottle. And of course, mine does. I also have to tell you a funny story here. When I went to purchase my Jim Beam, the clerk rang up my purchase and put it in a small brown bag. So I just picked it up and threw it into my purse. A couple days later, we got a coupon in the mail for Total Wine and More. If you don't have one, it's an amazing wine store that recently opened close to my house and I've been dying to go back. The first time I went, it was the grand opening, and they had all these amazing things going on, and I was overwhelmed, and I didn't buy anything, but I've been waiting to go back. Anyway, I put the coupon in my purse. Then the next day, I open up my bag, and there's a bottle of whiskey wrapped in a little brown bag and the ad for a wine store. And I thought, 
Oh, good Lord, I look like an alcoholic. I immediately took out the Jim Beam and added it to my wine cabinet, where it has remained unopened until today. The coupon is still in my purse, and I'm hoping to make it to the wine store before it expires. So I'm raising my glass, and I'm going to take my first sip of whiskey. Then my throat and nose tingle just a little bit. Now on to the history of whiskey. Whiskey comes from a Gaelic word that I cannot pronounce, and the word literally means water. In Latin, distilled alcohol is aqua vitae, which means the water of life. And translated into Gaelic Irish, it is also water of life. So, as Eliza told us a couple of weeks ago on her show about spirits, all distilled alcohol is technically considered the water of life. But when you take into consideration the Gaelic for whiskey, I would have to say whiskey is the mother of all distilled alcohol. And that makes me happy because I'm excited to share my knowledge about my second favorite libation. Of course, my first is wine, but we'll talk about that at our happy hour, and we do that almost every show. Now, how is this lovely amber liquid made? Whiskey is made from fermented grain mash. Yeah, I'll let that sink in. It's fermented. The process of turning this grain into mash is called malting, and various grains can be used for different varieties. Some are barley, corn, rye, and wheat. Whiskey is typically aged in wooden casks generally made of charred white oak. There is apparently a heated debate over whether it was first distilled in Scotland or Ireland. The earliest mention of whiskey in Ireland comes from the 17th century Annals of Clonmacnoise, which attributes the death of a chieftain in 1405 to taking a surfeit of aquavitae at Christmas but that could be any kind of distilled spirit. And the first written mention of whiskey in Scotland appears in the Exeter Rolls of Scotland in 1494, when malt is sent to Friar John Corr by order of the king to make aquavitae. It was apparently enough to make 500 bottles. So I think James IV of Scotland really enjoyed his whiskey. The exact origins of when whiskey was first produced in Scotland are unknown. The production of it has, however, been traced back to the ancient Celts and distillation in general back to the Babylonians in Mesopotamia. And if you want to know more about some of the other types of distilled spirits, you can listen to Eliza's episode from two weeks ago. She had some really great information. In the mid-16th century, when Henry VIII of England dissolved the monasteries where most whiskey was made, monks became part of the general public and the production of whiskey moved into personal homes and farms as newly independent monks needed to find a way to earn money for themselves. I was surprised to see this, and I just thought, look at you, Henry VIII. You just had to ruin everything. But... Maybe I was being a bit harsh because the evolution of whiskey continued. Because at this time, whiskey itself was not allowed to age. 
And as a result, it tasted very raw and it was brutal in comparison to today's versions. Renaissance era whiskey was also very potent and not diluted. Over time, whiskey has progressed into a much smoother drink. So, while I still don't agree with a lot of things Henry VIII has done, something good did eventually come from at least one of his policies. Part of that change was that whiskey is now aged. Whiskies do not mature in a bottle, only in the wooden cask that I told you about earlier. So the age of whiskey is only the time between distillation and bottling. So once it goes into a bottle, it no longer ages. This reflects how much the cask has interacted with the whiskey, changing its chemical makeup and taste. Whiskies that have been bottled for many years have a rarity value, but are not older and not necessarily better than a more recent whiskey that matured in wood for a similar amount of time. After a decade or two, additional aging in a barrel does not necessarily improve a whiskey. And here is where we get into all kinds of crazy scientific stuff that's over my head. So if you're interested in that, I'll put a link in the show notes. In 1608, the old Bushmills Distillery in Northern Ireland was given a license to distill Irish whiskey. And it is the oldest distillery in the world. You can still go see it. In 1707, the Acts of Union merged England and Scotland. And thereafter, taxes on whiskey in Scotland rose dramatically. After the English malt tax of 1725, most of Scotland's distillation was either shut down or forced underground. Scotch whiskey was hidden under altars, in coffins, and in any available space to avoid the government tax collectors. Scottish distillers, operating out of homemade stills, took to distilling whiskey at night when the darkness hid the smoke from the stills. For this reason, the drink became known as moonshine. At one point, it was estimated that over half of Scotland's whiskey output was illegal. It sounds very similar to prohibition in the States. And here is that explanation I promised you earlier. Scotch is whiskey from Scotland, and bourbon is whiskey from the United States. And Ireland just calls their whiskey Irish whiskey. In Scotland... Whiskey is spelled without the E, and in the U.S. and Ireland, it's spelled with an E. So, in my books, I've always spelled it without the E, because, for the most part, my stories take place in Scotland. There are also some of those pesky, scientific reasons why whiskeys from various regions all taste different. So, I'm going to post a link to that as well. There are also whiskeys made from one single malt, and those that have multiple blended in. I haven't sampled enough to tell you the difference, but in the name of research, I'll have to make it to a distillery soon to taste it for myself. There is an art to drinking whiskey, and there are many, many, many restaurants and tasting rooms devoted to it. A dram of whiskey is one-eighth of a fluid ounce. 
maybe in a bar that's an official measurement, but some people just describe it as a wee bit. Honestly, I've never measured it, but I'm tempted to now just to see how much a true dram is. But like I said earlier, I'm having smaller than normal drams since I'm having two different kinds of whiskey today. And some people just measure in terms of fingers. One or two fingers is traditional for measuring whiskey in a whiskey glass. I typically drink my whiskey neat, which means nothing added to it. Some people will drink it on the rocks or with ice. Spherical ice is preferential for an even melt because it helps with an even dilution as the whiskey is sipped. And if you like your whiskey cool but don't want melted ice in it, you can purchase special stones for cooling your libation. They're just called whiskey stones. There are also people who just like a splash of water with their whiskey and those that add it to their Coca-Cola or 7-Up. Many cocktail drinks can be made with whiskey. Here are just a few. The Rob Roy, the Hot Toddy, Whiskey Sour, Manhattan, Rusty Nail, Old Fashioned, Irish Coffee, and Mint Juleps, which is the official drink of the Kentucky Derby. And a crazy fact about that, each year over the two-day period of the Kentucky Oaks and Kentucky Derby weekend at Churchill Downs Racetrack, almost 120,000 mint juleps are served. I had no idea that many people went to the horse races, but people's love of whiskey doesn't stop there. There are many songs about whiskey. There's one out right now by an artist called Morgan Whalen called Whiskey Glasses, and I absolutely love this song. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. And it may not be a huge surprise that most of the songs I found are by country artists, which happens to be my favorite genre of music. A few of the most notable to me are Whiskey Lullaby, sung by Brad Paisley and Alison Krauss, Whiskey in My Water, sung by Tyler Farr, and Drowns the Whiskey by Jason Aldean. But there are some songs sung by artists of different genres. Maroon 5 with a song simply called Whiskey, Metallica with Whiskey in a Jar, ACDC with Have a Drink on Me and Whiskey on the Rocks, and The Doors with Alabama song. But honestly, the list of songs about whiskey goes on and on. In my research, I discovered there are some additional uses for whiskey. First, I discovered why my friends who are on the keto diet are choosing to consume whiskey. It apparently has value as a digestive aid and is supposed to prevent you from overeating and in moderation will not harm your blood sugar levels, has no fat, and it contains very little calories and carbohydrates. Hmm, that makes it sound like a winner already. Next, some say whiskey can prevent cancer. Elagic acid, one of the most powerful antioxidant compounds that we can consume, is found in high concentration in whiskey. Yes, it's in wine but 
It's much higher in whiskey than in wine. This antioxidant neutralizes harmful free radicals in the body known to cause cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, and premature aging. So this is the point in the show where I have to throw in a disclaimer. I am not a doctor. As you can see from my previous comments about chemistry stuff and medical stuff being way over my head. So remember that. I am not a doctor. And secondly, drinking in excess can be dangerous to your health. So please, please, please never drink and drive. And now that I have made my disclaimer, I'm going to pour a little bit of bourbon and switch over because I am done with my scotch. This bottle does not make the same sound when you open it because it's a screw top. Okay, let's give this a try before I go on to the next thing. Oh, it definitely has a different taste. I don't know how to describe it. Seems a little bit lighter. And the taste kind of lingers in your mouth a little bit longer. Hmm. All right. So on to my third point. If you choose whiskey whose alcohol content is 80 proof or higher, which means its alcohol content is 40% or greater, it can be used as a fuel for your lamp or a fire accelerant. That means whiskey can be used successfully for cleaning your guns, an engine, electronic components, and even for rust prevention. Another cool thing about whiskey is that if it's mixed with water, it kills harmful bacteria. Hence, you can always use it to disinfect water procured from dubious sources. Which makes me think those people on Naked and Afraid have it wrong. They just need to grab a giant bottle of whiskey and take it with them. And here are some random fun facts about whiskey. Whiskey was used as a currency during the American Revolutionary War. In 1791, under Alexander Hamilton as Secretary of Treasury, a federal tax was imposed on whiskey. In protest, Scottish and Irish immigrant farmers in Pennsylvania staged an uprising in 1794. It was known as the Whiskey Rebellion. Forty bottles of Scotch whiskey are shipped overseas each second. That's a crazy amount. More Scotch whiskey is sold in one month in France than cognac in a year. During the Prohibition era in the United States, which lasted from 1920 to 1933, all alcohol sales were banned in the country. The federal government made an exemption for whiskey prescribed by a doctor and sold through licensed pharmacies. During this time, the Walgreens pharmacy chain grew from 20 retail stores to almost 400. So Walgreens should always be thankful to whiskey. And finally, on my last podcast, I asked readers to write in and share their favorite whiskey stories or memories. Carol wrote to tell me the only way she uses whiskey is in her whiskey crab soup. It sounded delicious, so I'm going to add her recipe to our show notes. Thanks for sharing with us, Carol. Specifically for this episode, I reached out to Madeline Martin 
because I knew that she had a book that was centered around whiskey. I believe her hero is a whiskey smuggler. I'm just getting into it. So here is a little blurb about the Earl of Benton. His actions could be treason. Alistair Johnstone's days of running whiskey come to an abrupt halt when he inherits an earldom. After years of living in Scotland and denying his English heritage, he now must return, despite his mother's bitter contempt and his own lack of desire. When his mother's attempt to run whiskey goes awry, Alistair is forced to step in and save her by doing one last whiskey run. However, if he's caught, he will face a traitor's death. She is running for her life. Emma Thorne's uncle is trying to kill her and so far has failed. Thank goodness. But with only one month until she reaches her majority, inherits her fortune, and is released from his guardianship, she knows she is not safe. Emma escapes to the nearby estate where she stumbles onto a house party being held by the Wicked Earls Club and finds herself at the mercy of the most extraordinary earl, one who could save her or see her condemned. Perhaps they can save each other. When innocent lies become reality and danger follows them every step of the way, could love be the answer to both their problems? Or will their passions be their undoing? So I'm really enjoying this so far, and I just opened it up last night. But honestly, I have to say anything by Madeline Martin is amazing. And I'll put the links to that book in the show notes. And today I'm recommending the first book in my Highland Pride series, Highland Deception. And the reason for this one today is because in order to be authentic, my heroine and I had whiskey together for the first time. I thought it was the perfect opportunity to try it along with my heroine so that I could describe exactly what Maggie might be thinking and feeling as she took her first sips. And this scene has always had a special meaning to me because of it. I'm going to read that scene in a couple minutes just after I read the blurb for Highland Deception. Scotland, 1642. Maggie and Lachlan must fight their growing attraction, battling suspicion and intrigue as religious and political turmoil threaten to tear their clans apart. He has sworn he will never marry. Lachlan Cameron is honor-bound to see a wounded lass to safety. Although he has well-learned women are deceivers, and this lovely maid harbors a wealth of secrets— but Maggie's free spirit and charms enthrall him while he works to discover if she is innocent or a spy scheming with his enemies to destroy his clan. She has sworn she will never fall in love. Maggie Murray fled her home to avoid a political marriage to an abusive man. Salvation comes when the Cameron Laird, unaware of her identity, protects her as she escapes. His kindness slowly warms her, but she's tempted to confess her real name. 
but his strong sense of honor would force him to return her to her father and torment at the hands of her scorned betrothed. So this is the scene that I was talking about where Maggie and I had our first taste of whiskey neat together. So what happens right before this scene is Maggie and Lachlan are becoming closer together and then she sees him with another woman who has warned Maggie off of him. So here goes. Maggie reached for the goblet by her plate. It was a generous dram of whiskey. She'd never been allowed to have it before. It was one of those things her father had considered unladylike. She had stayed clear of it in order not to incur her father's wrath or bring attention upon herself at home. Well, now seemed like the perfect time to try the drink. Men be damned. Peering into the glass, she swirled the amber liquid around. It looked harmless. It even looked like it might be good. She brought it up to her nose and sniffed it. Not so bad, she thought. A little stronger than ale. Maggie hesitated, then thought, what the hell? She lifted it in the air in mock salute and took a big gulp. She held it in her mouth, afraid to swallow right away. Fortifying herself before she spit it out, she accepted it and let it glide smoothly down. It was warm. Her nose stung for just a moment. Then her insides started to burn, all the way down to her stomach. A slight aftertaste lingered in her mouth. It just tasted like some of the medicinals she gave people when they weren't feeling well. She'd even used whiskey for that purpose on others before. The burning gave way to a warm sensation that was not altogether unpleasant. It was not so bad. She gulped the rest without hesitation. Her tongue burned a little this time, but it went down a little smoother. Not so bad. Why had she waited so long to try it? The thought made her think of her family. They were not such a bad sort. Her father didn't value her opinion, but he just had an antiquated view of women. Her brothers were the only people that had kept her sane after the incident with Miranda when she knew she could not turn to anyone else. She had needed them as a distraction, or she would not have made it through those terrible years. Her mother's death, the betrothal to the piece of shit, and her father's determination that it would go through effectively using her to further his ambitions. The whiskey was growing on her, and it had gotten her mind off Lachlan for a few moments. Just then she glanced up to see Arabella stroke Lachlan's arm with her hand. Lachlan was facing the other way, so she couldn't see his reaction. Arabella laughed and flashed her big brown seductive eyes at him. Maggie's stomach churned, but it was the thought of losing Lachlan already, not the whiskey. She had quite decided she liked the amber liquid. Her irrational feelings of jealousy had started to fade until she looked up and saw Arabella pull Lachlan out the door. Her breath caught and her eyes started to water. Was he done with her already? She knew it was coming, but only one night? She reached for the cup by Lachlan's trencher. The portion was even larger. She gulped it and slammed the goblet back down on the table. 
a little more force than she'd intended. She looked around to see if anyone had noticed. Luckily, no one had. So I hope you enjoyed that little snippet from Highland Deception, and I'm going to put the link in the show notes. And now it's time for a reader question. And this week's question comes from Kimberly. Who are your favorite authors and what do you read in your spare time? So some of my favorite authors are Johanna Lindsay, Hannah Howell, Paula Quinn, Karen Marie Monning, and Lindsay Sands. And what do I read in my spare time? In my spare time, I read historical romance and I read suspense novels. I love suspense and detective novels. So I love those. And I also read just historical fiction and book club books. Just really anything. Just give me books. I love to read. And now I have a question for you guys. We're always looking for topics that interest our listeners. So my question is, what types of things would you like for us to cover on future podcasts? Email us at historybooksandwine at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Please join Madeline Martin, Eliza Knight, and I next week, June 6th, for our monthly happy hour, where we will have a special episode dedicated to all things wine. There will be history, great stories, laughs, and vino. Then join us the next month as we explore some fascinating badass women in history. Eliza Knight will dive deep with Boudica on June 13th. And on the 20th, Madeline Martin gives us the down low on Grace O'Malley. And I'll return on June 27th with Joan of Arc. Then on July 4th, We'll all be back together to celebrate American Independence Day as we continue our tribute to strong women with those who have earned a place of honor in America. Plus, we'll be back to drinking wine. Our website is historybooksandwine.buzzsprout.com, where we will have the show notes for today's episode. They can also be found on iTunes with our podcast, History Books and Wine can also be found on Spotify. And if you say, Alexa, play History Books and Wine podcast, she will play the most recent episode. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. And remember, you can always send us questions at historybooksandwine at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a great week.